0: Thanks for joining us today. We believe God is going to do great things in your life and we want to hear about it. Send us your story at mystory@summitsa.com at and let us know what he's done for you through this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us or bless us with a financial gift, go to summitsa.com and give an amount that works best for you. Now enjoy the message and have a blessed day. Well, I'm glad you're here. We're in a series, this is part two, and we're talking about changing the future. And it's about thinking generationally. And we said that Scripture teaches the principle of generational transfer, that you can pass something, good or bad, from generation to generation. We know that curses can be passed from genera. We've watched divorce run in family lines. We've watched certain kinds of cancer run in a family line. We've run- We've watched addictions. We've watched all kinds of medical problems run in certain family lines. But thank God through Jesus Christ, the curse is broken. And when a curse is broken, it changes your future and your children's children's future to a thousand generations. So, for crying out loud, let's learn how to pass on a blessing to the next generation. Regardless of what we had, we can do something good and change the next generation. Isaiah 46, verse 9 through 11, Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there's none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. That's clout, brothers. I do whatever I wish. I will call a swift bird of prey from the east, or I'll call a leader from a distant land to come and do my bidding. You know, that's a good message there. If you won't do what God made you to do, He'll get somebody else, and I don't want anybody taking my place. I want to show up and be what He made me to do. He says, I will call a swift bird to pray from the east, a leader from a distant land to do my bidding. I have said what I would do, and I will do it. That's encouraging. God says, if I have spoken it, I will bring it to pass, and your circumstances won't change that. That's nice to know. If God says, I'm going to do it in your life, He's taken into account every bad thing you're going to have to go through, and it hasn't changed a thing. He said, if I purposed it, I will do it. Many times in dark times, I've stood on that Philippians 1:6, That which I have begun in you, I will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And nobody can stop that. Nothing can stop it. So cheer up. Yeah, come on. Some of you do you good. God says, from the ancient times the Lord has spoken things that are not yet done. So, God's the God of your past, your present, and your future. And He says, if I purposed it, I'll do it. If I spoke it, I'll bring it to pass. See, it's not a coincidence that He put you and me in this generation. He could have picked anybody He wanted. He could have picked some heroes of a past generation. But they were right for their day. They wouldn't be right today. That means you and I are exactly what He needs and exactly what He wants. We've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So you just have to accept it, whether you like yourself or not. God chose you and me to be alive in this generation. This is our time. This is our day. So it's up to us. It's part of God's eternal purpose who works in generation. Remember we said God thinks, God plans, and God builds generationally. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's thinking way out there, and many times we don't think past lunch. But God's thinking way beyond you. And the big thing God may be going to do may not be you. It may be your offspring or the next or third generation after you. You have no idea what you're sending into the future, but it came from you. And so, that gives all of us a little wake-up call to be sober-minded and to be thoughtful about what we're doing and our relationship with our, with our God, Jesus. Verse 10, He said, I'll do all my pleasure, and you are God's pleasure. Psalms 35, 27, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of His people. Some of you don't really believe it. God likes blessing you. I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. I get my biggest kick and joy out of blessing my kids. Oh, sometimes they're not grateful. Sometimes, sometimes they're spoiled whatever. doesn't change a thing. You know, I've said it a hundred times. When the kid, grandkids come over to the house, I say, welcome to the house of yes. I know you're only four. You want an iPhone? Yes. You want chocolate on your cereal? I know mother screaming, no, yes, yes. I love blessing the kids. you got to believe God loves blessing you. He says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall I, your heavenly Father, love blessing you? Get that in your head and get the idea out. All God wants to do is spoil your day and make you miserable, and that, well, that's really too good for you. It's not too good for me. And it's not too good for you. Change your thinking. He likes blessing you. Blessing you gives him pleasure. Making you gives him pleasure. And in Revelation 4:11, it says, for his pleasure we were and are created. So, positioning you right now, right here in the kingdom, give God's pleasure. He says, fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So, I'm here. You're here right now for such a time as this. This is our day. This is our time. The God who declared things from the beginning of time that are not yet done has chosen you and chosen me to be here now and to serve His purpose. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament, word for generations, literally speaks to everything from distant past to the endless future. In Colossians 1 verse 26, Paul writes the mystery which has been hidden from generations past, but has now been revealed to His saints. Luke 1 50, And His mercy, God's mercy, is on them who fear Him from generation to generation, right on out into the future. Did you know some of you are alive today because of the walk of faith of a grandparent, a parent, or somebody in your past? You owe the fact God didn't kill you or allow you to die prematurely when you should have. And I can, I can certainly speak to my grandfather's faith that had a big impact on me, and no doubt until I finally got a little bit of sanity and maturity in my uh, late 20s, I can look back now and say, wow, God, God's hand of protection was definitely over me. But it wasn't over me because of me. It was over me because of this generational transfer even from my grandfather. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 11 says, The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and opportunity happens to them all. So time and opportunity happens to everybody in this room. Everybody has their time. Everybody will have their opportunity. It may not be today, but you'll have it. You'll have your day. You may get it early. You may get it late, but you will get it. Verse 12, for man does not know his time. It means you don't know when God is going to open up for you His incredible opportunity and possibilities. It can change in a day, in a day. And no, I sense for this church that we're entering a time of great opportunity. You don't know what tomorrow holds. It's possible a visitation, a renewal could begin and sweep through this place so that we couldn't fathom it, we couldn't hold the crowds, and we definitely couldn't tell you why. That's when I know it's God. I don't know. Look what happened. So, since we don't know our time, then the key is to be positioned for it, recognizing we're here for a purpose, and faithfully engaging in it until that time comes. There are business people in this room that God this year could put an idea in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, and open up incredible opportunity just for you. And all of a sudden, your time happens. You do all that sewing, investing, and labor, and then, bang, it happens. <laughs> I'm thinking of the young, the young ladies in here, single, and you met him in one day. Why, who came through that door? Who is that? I don't know. Your future is just about to change, sweetheart, in one day. And you've been moaning and Facebook complaining and la-la-la-la-la-la-la and jumping all around him. One meeting, one day, one group, one event, bam, everything changes. It's true, isn't it? Sometimes we, huh? The God of suddenly is right. And you want suddenly good, not suddenly bad. (laughs) Correct. And so, you stay faithful, because you don't know when that opportunity is happening, but it happens to everybody. We live in a great time and a day of great opportunity. And anytime there's great problems and great difficulties, there's great opportunity hidden right there. You just don't know what a day or a month or a year can bring forth. But that's the adventure of serving the Lord. You don't know when. I know it will, but I always don't know when. I remember that old song we used to sing, I want to be part of a church where anything can happen, and it probably will, something very good, something good's going on around here. Oh, I like that. So you may not be a person of great voice, great talent, or great skill, but time and opportunity belongs to us all. In Acts 13, verse 26, it says, David, according to the will of God, served his own generation. So. It's the will of God for you and me at this time with our opportunity to serve our generation. God put us here to impact our generation. He didn't put me here to feel good for myself or to make my life all about me. He put it here to serve my generation. Psalms 112 verse 2, the seed of a righteous man, that's the children, will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. You know, you can be blessed in spite of you. Yeah, you can. Some of you have parents, and you, you, you are a rascal, and you're blessed because of who your parents are. Yeah, you are. And we're blessed as the sons of God. We're blessed in spite of us, not always because of us. This is our day. This is our time. This is our generation. The upright man will be blessed, and his generations will be blessed. Don't you want to sin? That's better than a 401k. To, oh, you're going to leave 20 acres to them. Well, good. And there's nothing wrong with 20 acres of land and a little bit of money or property. But I'm going to tell you something. If you don't have any property, any land, but you give me the favor of God and the blessing of God, I'm going to be a rich man. I'm, a, I'm going to be a successful man. And I'll take the favor of God any day over collateral, over any kind of a, a tangible asset. You can get assets once you've got favor. If you don't have it, you can sure lose it. So we're not here just for us, we're here for the purpose of God, and time and opportunity are our assets, what we have to use. And they belong to us all, so we can change the future. But we have to have an openness to being a blessing in our generation by recognizing what Paul told Timothy. It says, of the Lord who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So, don't just live saved, and don't be telling me what you don't do anymore. I mean, church and Christianity has become a whole list of what I don't do anymore. Well, what in the name of God do you do? Do something. God will use anything if it'll do something, but I mean, if all your life is about what you don't do, there's not much to pass on to the next generation. There's a purpose for your salvation. God didn't save you just to go to heaven. Heaven's for dead people. You're still breathing. That means there's something in you that ought to get out that's not out yet. God's not finished with you. Come on, get get a bigger view of God than just going to heaven. If He needed you in heaven, the moment you'd have said yes to Jesus, you'd go. And we got all these Christians trying to fly away because their lives suck. They don't have anything to live for. It's all about me. They don't give. They don't serve. They suck their thumb. They're codependent, and they always have a drama. That isn't—the church was never meant to be a psychiatric ward. It's an army of God. It's a bride of Christ. Everything about it is a building of the Lord. There's nothing in here about, you know, if you need a little patching up, we got a little first aid kit, patch you up, then get back into battle. What happened to those great old songs of the old timers? Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. Oh, No. Welcome to the 21st century. Ah, fly away. Oh, fly away. We need you here to fight. We need you on earth. That's why God saved you. That's why he gives us power. That's why he heals us. That's why he delivers us. Come on. You got a purpose for your life. You may not know what it is just yet, but at least know there is an eternal purpose for you being here. God is purpose-oriented. You're here to bless this generation and make a difference and change the future of the generation to come. I sat with someone I love dearly uh, two years ago at a dinner. I looked him right in the eye, and I said, God has made you a rich man. And at this point, all you're doing is squandering it. There's only so many houses, so many jets, and so many cars you can buy and put your rear end in and there's only so many women you can sleep with, but God didn't make you rich to waste it for no purpose at all and you're still not happy. I said God brought you here, God brought you to Jesus to use that resource ability that he gave you to join with others in here who are attorneys, political advocates, medical specialists, all kinds of people in here as a band of brothers where we each fit together to be a strong army and you are supposed to help us resource the kingdom. That is as much purpose as me preaching. I still have to pay the light bill, still have to have technology, and God can't do it with broke people. So get a bigger view of why you're rich. You said, did you say that? Ask him. I said it. And I said, we need you. We need you in the game plan. But the enemy's got him distracted and got him off course, and my prayer for him is that God will recapture him and get him back on course. And maybe I didn't mention your name, but that could be you sitting in here today. Let me tell you something, dude. There's there's only so many cars you can buy, so many women you can sleep with, so many houses you can have, so many vacations you can take. Then what? Why don't you do something for the next generation to make life better for them? Why don't, we, why don't we help somebody poor? Why don't we do something for our community? Why don't we put up a gymnasium? Why don't we have special uh, education training for, for children that have disabilities or something? I mean, we got to do something besides sit here and sing, I'll Fly Away, or sit here and say, it's too loud, it's too cold. I don't like those bright lights. Wow! <laughs> I just—that— that, that brings out the dark side in me. You know, all of us that have children don't understand them. And all of us that have grandchildren, we watch and listen and actually pay money to entertain those kids for what they enjoy. And we decide to ourselves, self, you will like it. You will like it because you love them. And that's what some of you older folks need to do. You need to like it. For the next generation, it's not about you. We're already saved. We're going to heaven. We're blood bought. I know that. You know that. We're not. We're not keepers of the aquarium. We don't want to keep changing your diaper and burping you forever. Let's fish for people that aren't in the kingdom of God. Let them know they're special. They're loved, and we're here for you, baby. We are. That's pitiful. Amen. I'm told. I'm told. I'm going to get an applause machine like they have on Christian TV. So, when it ain't any good, the applause still comes out there, you know. I'm told we have over 300,000 churches in America. Think about that. Here's something that will scare you. There are 19 churches for every McDonald's. Who's got the most influence in the world? McDonald's. Yet, we got 19 churches per McDonald's. That is sad, because they've lost the vision of a mission. We think we're here to entertain the saints and to comfort those who are already uh, over-counseled going to heaven. We've lost the, the command. You know, if you go out to a nice restaurant, and particularly some of my friends like fish, that fish did not swim into that restaurant. Somebody sent a boat out to get that fish and brought the fish in we got to go out and get people and bring people in. There's nobody out there in a car with a family driving around saying, what are you doing, Fred? Oh, we're out looking for a church. There ain't nobody out looking for a church. They have to be brought to church. And that's how you grow. You reach out. You bring people. And you hope you give them a great day of encouragement and hope, kindness and love, acceptance, and they want to come back. That's the best way to do it. A sign out there is not wrong. It just doesn't bring anybody in. A church for everybody. When you walk in, you see nobody. Well way. A sign didn't bring anybody in. Dying churches have signs. Everybody welcome. Yeah, right. Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't work. You're the best advertisement in the world. You are my witnesses, God said. You are, right? So the old greats of the past are dead. You and I are alive right now, right on time. So, what are you doing? What are you doing to prepare for the future? And I think a lot of people scoff at that, saying, well, Rick, I'm believing for Jesus to come soon. Well, what if the Lord allows you to live to a great old age, huh? Then what have you made plans for the future for? You're not here just for you. We want to impact and bless our generation. So, what are you doing to change the future? I don't think about just blessing our church, but how can we impact blessing on churches of our generation? We're traveling internationally, helping people and people in countries break free of religious bondage and think generationally. David didn't just serve his own family, his own house, his own needs. It says he served his generation. That's big. That's a lot bigger than us four and no more. He says, the generation of the upright will be blessed. So we're here to make a difference and bless this generation. Every time a small group meets together, and somebody overcomes something in their life, it changes the course of that person's generation forever. Every time you give your life to Jesus, a curse is broken. You have a relationship with the living God. You're able to transfer blessing, not a curse, anymore into future generations forever. So people will be saved today, past curses or problems will be cut off forever, and it'll change the future of those generations. I just had a a round table with leaders in Nashville, Tennessee. And met an incredible pastor that I'm gonna have come in the future, and his name is Maury Davis. Maury Davis pastors a mega church in Nashville, Tennessee. There's lots of churches, that's a religious headquarters of a lot of groups. But when you find out his story, it makes it incredible. He, he built Cornerstone Church, they have escalators in that church. Now, we got a carousel, but they got an escalator. And it's a big church. And what's interesting is that he committed murder and served in Huntsville in the penitentiary for years. J. Don George, up in Assemblies of God preacher, up in Dallas, Texas, saw the story as a young man, went to the prison, led him to Christ, mentored him, and now he's mentoring others and has got a huge church up there. And here's a man that committed cold-blooded murder. You never know what's in a person. You just don't know, right? J. Don George had no idea what would come out of that guy behind the cell, and you don't either. You don't know what may come out of some walk-in hiding somewhere up here so we don't be seen, and what the potential may be in that person. So, if we're, And when all the kids, little kids are down here dancing and jumping, last night we had a big carnival and celebration for the end of Vacation Bible School, and those little kids and toddlers were tripping out. They were everywhere. They were up here, and I thought, they're totally inhibited. They haven't been around Christians too much, and I want them to keep that wildfire, keep that wild spirit. You know, you can, you can tame a wild duck. But you can never make a tame duck wild again. And I got to tell some of you, you've been tamed by religion, not by Jesus, but by religion. And I don't know, I guess with the Holy Spirit it's possible to get a little wild back, but some of you need a little wild, wild back to do something to excite your life a little bit, and you probably meant well. You probably got into a church that said, we're going to conform you to our image, Catholic, Baptist, Lutheran, Episcopalian, instead of the image of Jesus. And if you study Him, He upset everybody and didn't fit in anywhere, even His own parents, right? So, what happened to the program? Now, you know, you, you can be abnormal so long you think you're normal. And when somebody comes along and they're normal, you think they're abnormal. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's true. I'm just trying to hope you can think a little bit. So, if we're going to live lives that look beyond our own needs and look beyond ourselves and serve the future generations, there's a few issues we ought to consider, just a couple. Number one, a commitment to health. A commitment to health. Not vanity, but to health. Body, soul, and spirit. If I'm going to live a life with God-given purpose and fulfill my time and opportunity, I need to believe God for the strength and health and emotional steadfastness to accomplish it. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 12 says, like fish taken in a cruel net, like birds caught in a snare, so the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. A fish caught in a net can't swim right. It just thrashes around, wasting energy. And all of the birds caught in a snare are flapping and struggling to break free. I think the enemy's clever. He wants to get you and me like a fish in a net or a bird in a snare, thrashing, struggling, using up all of our resources and energies, just trying to get free instead of being able to do what God made us for. So as far as I'm concerned, prevention is the best cure. Look after the temple of God. It's not about how you look, it's about what we're called to do. If you've got—if you're going to say, well, Brother Rick, I think I'm going to enroll in a Navy SEAL program, well, you better get your rear end down to the gym, and you better start working out, dude, because you can go online and see how tough it is. And you better get some pre-work done before you show up in San Diego and become a sand cookie. You better get, get with the program. And the guys that make it, the ones I've talked to, told me they did. They, ought, they did a little preconditioning for what's, what's coming, coming about. Now, I, I'm called as a leader in the body of Christ, and I travel internationally. You don't hear me up wheezing and panting up here for two services, having my wife and three people pull me out of the chair. And I've just been in six months in Africa, London, Australia, Jakarta, Indonesia, Singapore, and all over America. And when I get home, it ain't no vacation. I've got another meeting to do or a program to run, and I've got to hit the ground running. Now, if I don't look after myself to stay at least healthy physically, emotionally, and spiritually, it's going to limit me from blessing my generation the way I'm called to do. So so get out of the vanity. Just get into good health. I was somebody I love deeply. I prophesied over him several years ago, and he's doing what God called him to do, and all of a sudden I get a call. He's in ICU, heart. And then I discover it runs in the family heart disease, and excessively high cholesterol, and that he's been told he had that cholesterol, and the problems in the family that he well knew about, yet there was no exercise, no watching of the diet. It was just living like there ain't no problem, and then, bang, he goes down. And when I went there, he was asleep, and I woke him up. I ain't driving up to that hospital without you looking at me. I don't care what's happening. You go, I, Anybody been to the hospital? No, that's, a, that's a sacrifice. I'm ready to kill or pray for something by the time I get into one finally and find a parking place. I quit being honest. I just park where the physicians are. I park anywhere. I just park and go in. You report me if you want to. I don't care. But I, I thought, this, I'm going in to save somebody, to heal somebody. I'm going to park. All right. So anyway. I know. You can send me an ugly email, and I'll throw it in the trash. I don't care. I'm too old to care. I don't care about it. Well, anyway, when I woke him up, he said, I, he said yeah, man, Rick, it sort, of just, it sort of just socked me right out of the blue. No, 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 no. I didn't say no wow. I said, duh, you've been on this trip for years. You've got a history of heart disease. You've got a history of high cholesterol. You know how bad it is. It didn't sneak up on you. You've been standing out in the middle of I-35 waiting for a car to hit you, and it just did. That's a wake-up call. And you've got a child and a future, a great future, and if you don't start now, you won't even see it. You won't live to see it, and you won't be healthy enough to see your children's children. I want to be healthy enough to do everything my kids do, everything my grandkids do, and enjoy the ride. I want to be healthy to enjoy it, and everything I'm called to do, okay? That's all I'm trying to pitch at you. Take care of yourself. Get your emotional well. Get—don't—don't be in—there is nobody in the Bible that stays in counseling for years. You had a divorce. Everybody's had a divorce practically. Fifty-one percent. Join the club. So, what's wrong with you? Do You have to suck your thumb forever? God, God's got your back. He'll be the lifter of your head. God's not going to abandon you. Did you learn something? Maybe you made a bad choice. you got to learn to choose better. God's got another plan for you. Everybody goes through drama and trouble, but you don't see everybody uh, carrying it with them. There ought to be a place you get. He's our deliverer. He's our healer. Where's yours? I think, you remember when Jesus walked up to a man who's sick 38 years, 38 years at the pool of Bethesda, and what does the Son of God say to him? You want to be made well. Or do you like your handicap sticker, private parking place, being up close to Walmart so you can get in, having everybody calling you, how you feeling today, Ed? How's it going today, Ed? You're going to lose all that, oh, and you'll have to work, and you'll have to be responsible, and nobody will be sucking up to you, oh, how are you feeling today? You're codependent. No, no, no. He's first question. First question to blind Bartimaeus, begging on the side of the—we'll work for food. What do you want? You want a meal ticket for tonight? you want a warmer coat? He's asking you, what do you want? Lord, that I might see. Then Jesus, I love Jesus, see. There wasn't no organ playing, hallelujah, no white suit, Peter Pan shoes, none of of this nonsense. See. Jesus is my kind of man. Little maid I say unto you, get up. Okay. I'll probably get some uglies on that, too. I don't care. I don't care. You told me to read the Bible and believe it, and I do, and I read it, and then I see people doing dumb stuff, and I thought, where'd that come from? Didn't come out of here. So, I'm trying to say Jesus is going to walk up, slap you upside the head, and say, hey, what do you want, Gloria. How long is this going to go on? How long? Your daddy, did, you're 67 years old. Your daddy left home when you were 11 years old. You didn't get a puppy. You had to raise yourself. So, you, you're going to tell everybody in every home group, we had a guy doing that, and you want them to feel sorry for you. I'll kick you right out of the door. You need to go six weeks of basic training. And if you need counseling, making a point with my secretary, I'm no counselor. Half the stuff we counsel doesn't need about five minutes to say, if you hadn't done what I already told you to do, no appointment. Go back. Go back. You haven't done what we asked you to do? Get out of here. You're wasting time and money, and you're getting no better for it. Stop it. Stop it. There are real needs of people, and they—I'm not talking about you, but I'm talking about people that just year after year after year, it's a drama queen. Here she comes. Or here he comes. They never get better. They never get well. It's all about them. They live so small. They don't impact. The kids don't want to be around you. Family doesn't want. Nobody wants to be around you. You want to be able to give life to people and help people and be encouraging so that kids and young people want to be around you. When Jabin Jebez was here, he asked all the millennials to stand. Holy Moses! I think about 70% stood up. I said, that's because I don't think old, act old, dress old, and I'm not hanging out with old, and I don't want to, and I'm not going to die old. Yeah, I'll die one day, probably trying to resurrect the dead people. that won't come come alive. (laughs) Woo! I'll get off that horse. So if the enemy can mess you up emotionally, physically sick, and depress your spirit, he will. But the Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Yeah. Man, when I met Jesus and I dealt with it and I, get, I had to forgive my father, I remember praying that prayer. I remember going to a phone, calling him, making it, done. Never had another thought about it the rest of my life. Didn't change anything. It was gun. I was free. I don't care about him. I was free. And the whole idea is about you, not who hurt you, but you. Forgive. That's a big weapon right now. You ought to use that. Forgive a parent. Forgive a teacher. Forgive a spouse or somebody that deserted you or abused you. Forget it. Move on. But don't forget what you learned. Don't forget the lesson. Number two, we need a commitment to the words of Jesus Christ. John 14, 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works, because I go to my Father. He was only around three and a half years. He says, what I did, you can do, and you'll probably do better and more. This is our hour. This is our opportunity. So, Jesus is casting out demons, winning people to Himself, healing the sick, preaching to thousands. He says, you're going to do that, and you're going to do even more, because I'm leaving, and I'm going to give you my spirit, so you're going to go in my name and do even greater things. Acts 1-8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. In Jesus' day, He never traveled more than 200 miles, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. That's it. But He impacted that entire area. Then Paul comes along. He traveled farther than Jesus. But he never made it to Texas or Alaska or Australia, but what he did with what was available to him was pretty incredible. He made it from the Middle East to Crete and Italy and up into Rome. But today, with what's available to us, we can jump on a jet at 550 miles an hour and go to the ends of the earth in hours. They didn't have that possibility. That's why this church should never wonder why our ministry and focus goes beyond our doors. Jesus has given us a challenge to the ends of this earth. So this is our time, and this is our opportunity. You talk about greater works. Jesus only preached to a few thousand people on a few occasions. We can watch TV. Broadcast live from the other side of the world as it happens. In August 1998, the Discovery Channel with Bob Ballard broadcast live TV pictures from the floor of the Atlantic Ocean, three and a half miles down, to reveal the Titanic. Now, that technology wasn't just to watch sports or news, it's for the kingdom of God. Jesus said, the work I do you shall do, and greater work shall you do. And while a lot of churches hunker down in their holy huddles, we got to remember God's called us to fulfill His purpose, and we've got increased resources that are available to us. Paul didn't have a cordless mic, no electric guitars or pianos, no live stream or podcast. So, let's be sharp and use what's available to us and do it by all means possible. Take the gospel by every means possible to our generation. And it's a lot easier today to impact more people than it was in prior generations. Would you agree? Holy cow! Your smartphone's got more technology than the last hundred years in that. You've got more technology and power in a smartphone than Armstrong had when he landed that little capsule on the moon. It had less power, less megabytes than your smartphone. Think about that. Yeah, but think about the responsibility that puts on us to use it wisely. And third, got to be committed to the fullness of the gospel. Luke 4, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because— wherever the God is moving, there's always a because. Because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Psalms 112 verse 9, He has dispersed abroad, He has given to the poor. Proverbs 14 verse 31, He who oppresses the poor reproaches His Maker, but he who honors Him has mercy on the needy. Proverbs 21 13, Whoever shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will cry himself and not be heard. Now, that doesn't refer just and only to financially poor people. You can have wealth and be relationally poor. You could lack inner peace. You could be emotionally poor. But it's anything and everyone that's poor. So, to be relevant in our generation and for our future, we got to reach beyond these walls to the needy of our world. I'm going to ask you during, in just a few seconds, I'm going to ask you on our uh, video screen and in our offering to help us provide backpacks for almost elementary school. This is our third year of providing one year's school supply for almost Park Elementary School, where 93% of the kids are on government subsidy. They don't have anything, and they get a beautiful backpack with our name on it, knowing somebody loves you, somebody cared. There is a church, although it's way far away from almost School, that does care about you and loves you and believes in you. That's serving our generation, and then we packed hundreds of snacks snack packs for impoverished children in another area. Uh, With Pam Allen, we did that to help you, and thank you for your generosity. And we're going to be doing it again, and until Jesus comes back or we leave the earth, we're going to be helping people who can't help us back. We don't just help Christians, we help people in need. And God says, you'll never have a need if you'll keep that attitude up. So we're here to serve our generation. Serve them all. Every time I see all those kids coming in for vacation Bible school, who knows what one of them will become? Who knows? You just don't know. I I can remember Casey Treat was a drug addict, a drug felon, selling drugs, using drugs, committed. Finally the judge says, you're going to federal prison, or you're going into a rehab center with a military drill instructor, African-American guy. And nobody had picked Casey to ever be a winner, ever in his family, in school, or in life. Everything said loser, and he pastors one of the great churches in the Pacific Northwest. Now, preaches here. He'll be here in a month or so with Wendy, and we're excited to have him be here. Ray McCauley was a bodybuilder, a bouncer with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Fabio in South Africa, Mr. South Africa at 17. I'm sure no one in his school thought, now there's a high achiever, eighth-grade education. And built at the time one of the largest churches in South Africa. You don't know what's there. You don't know what's in your house. You don't know what's in the kids we serve and the places we go that you never know. So understand we aren't here just to be blessed, but to bless our generation and make a difference. And folks, this is our time, and this is our opportunity. Amen? Amen. How about a good shout of praise, okay? Thanks for joining us today, and may God richly bless you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit SummitSA.com.